Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. Today, we're continuing our three-part series that examines the perspectives and practices of CEOs as chronicled in the annual PwC CEO survey. Other segments in this series have looked at particular findings on matters of CEO optimism and opportunity and on cybersecurity. But this conversation, though, looks at the climate change imperatives for CEOs, particularly the survey findings that indicate there's still a lot of work to do. Joining me in conversation today is Mike Harris. He's partner and chair of the board of PwC Canada, national ESG and net zero leader and the BC region risk leader. Good to see you. See you. And uh, Christine Bergeron is CEO of Van City Savings Credit Union. Good to see you again, Christine. You too. And let's let's start, Mike, with a little bit of the findings, kind of the top of the wave approach on this one. Uh, which is the the status of climate change action from the C-suite? Well, um, certainly the the climate the climate change agenda is something we all know is on top of mind of um, of of all of us, and certainly at the top of mind of a lot of executives. And just setting aside the the results for a second, you know, we see lots of companies with net zero targets, uh, like Van City, and uh, and even companies that have. Um, that are that are more challenged from uh, an emissions point of view. Companies that are putting themselves out there, taking great initiative. Um, so there are companies doing great things, but what the so- survey showed us is that many there's many more companies that aren't doing enough. So only 23% of the Canadian CEOs are actually making feel feel that uh, ESG or climate change uh, is a significant issue, um, and. In globally, the number is 30%. It's a little bit better, um, but certainly uh, Canada doesn't fare much better. And in BC, just slightly more, 26%. So, and this is all from a number like pre-pandemic, uh, 20% yeah. of these uh, these organizations felt that climate change was a big issue. So I think it surprised us. We really thought that the uh, the bar would have moved more um, as a result of the pandemic, as a result of the, the focus that we see a lot of companies taking. Um, so companies are doing great things, just not enough of them. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, if it surprised you. You say it does, but I wonder, do you have any theories on why? Well, you know, it's it's hard work uh, to 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 be blunt. Um, I think this is uh, this is something that everybody understands is an issue, uh, or many people do. But the the work that companies have to um, undertake is is major transformation. It's not just putting out a target. Uh, the companies that are taking this seriously and doing the right thing, they realize that, you know, it goes well beyond a target. You have to certainly have the ambition and then have the transformation plan and and quite a bit of effort uh, goes into that. Even if it is 10, 20, 30 years down the road that the target's there, their stakeholders are expecting significant change and significant action. And there's a lot to that. Christine, uh, Van City, of course, gets top marks. Uh, for its commitment in this field. But it is a giant challenge, isn't it? It is. <laughs> uh, there, There is a, a big challenge ahead in terms of, of the task. And I think, um, you know, to, to Mike's comments, we are seeing more uh, targets coming out and more companies. Um, although, again, it depends perhaps in what uh, circle you are in, right, what you hear. Um, so we did put uh, forward commitments and we've begun the work. I think What's interesting for companies also is that everyone's at a different starting point, right? So for us, as a financial institution, we have a different starting point 
than we would if we were a manufacturer, uh, to your point earlier, if we were an airline, um, et cetera. So we've been trying um, and are working now on interim targets, really setting those baselines and really integrating uh, the work across um, our organization. How, how is this done at the same time as contesting with the pandemic? How, how do you make sure it, it stays its course? Mm-hmm. Well, from, from my perspective, I think the pandemic surfaced the fact that businesses need to look just beyond the financial bottom line to the impact, right, that their decisions are having on people and communities. And so uh, Canadians expected businesses to do right by people and communities during the pandemic. And that was our response as well. So for us, the economic um, impact, you know, what, well, actually, this I'll step back. What everyone saw is that the pandemic fell uh, disproportionately on the shoulders of people in lower paying jobs, those in more precarious financial situations. And unfortunately, this is not uh, unusual. Major crises usually make existing inequalities worse unless we do something about it. And I think that's what we can expect with the climate crisis. So for us, it was always about ensuring responsible recovery included um, environment. You know, we've always had our pillars around environment um, as well as uh, social um, issues. So that's just part of our work. Uh, but certainly it's easy to drop, you know, one of those key pillars. Uh, we yeah. have a key focus on that, but, you know, it's understandable why people perhaps did. Yeah. So, so in, in leading the organization, did, did that require uh, a persistence or a, 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 a kind of a consistent message to say, listen, Let's not lose track here, even though we're we're doing all these things over here that are are almost triage in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, for for us, um, you know, we really see them intertwined, right? Because the the effects of climate ultimately are the effects on people, and and so for us, it was a little bit different. Uh, we had been working on those commitments before, and so so yes, you know, in terms of leading, we need we needed to kind of come back to that and make sure we weren't postponing that work. Um, but it was a little bit more intertwined. So again, you know, we're at, we start from a different starting point um, on how integral it is to um, to our business. Yeah, Mike, uh, the client, the, the survey really shows that there is a catch up that needs to happen here with with a lot of companies. Explain a little bit about what that necessary catch up looks like, and how what kind of a gap there is. Yeah, it's. Well, what's interesting is there are, um, you know, I work with both private and public companies and we have the data from our survey on on both of them. And uh, I mentioned, you know, very low number of companies taking it seriously. The the public companies are taking it more seriously. 66% uh, of them are are doing something about about climate change and taking it seriously, where private companies are are more around 41%. And you know, there's speculation around what, why that is. And certainly it, it comes to mind that public companies have a broader stakeholder group to deal with, broader reporting and regulatory requirements. So, you know, it tells us that we're, we're back to where sustainability and climate change were a number of years ago, where it's about what's required. What, what do we have to tell our stakeholders? As opposed to what is the business imperative? So if I think of a private company, well, they have the same issues as public companies. What, what do my suppliers need? Um, how am I gonna ensure my supply chain is intact? Um, how do I, what businesses should I be in? Should there be some businesses I get out of 
um, in a in a different climate scenario analysis for my uh, for what I'm looking at. So um, it, it is a business imperative. Some companies are getting that. They're not just looking at it from reporting or or stakeholder analysis, uh, and certainly not just the shareholder analysis. But uh, many companies have to take that broader stakeholder look, look at it from a business point of view. Um, and that's probably the biggest gap right now is, uh, again, not just setting an ambition to report on, but thinking through the journey of how this impacts your business. So so is it that some companies just haven't understood the business case for this yet, haven't understood how this actually integrates into a, a, a sustainable business model? Yeah, I, I think that's right, Kirk. Like they, they, they understand there's an issue, right? So they understand that um, sometime down the road, they may have to transform elements of their business, but they haven't integrated that into their strategic planning. That's what we found. Only, only a third of the CEOs are actually integrating climate change issues into their planning. So you might not take it seriously, but at least bring it into your planning. Try to start doing some scenario analysis. What could our business look at three or four or five years down the road? Companies are starting to do this. They have very sophisticated climate models and how it impacts all of their business. Uh, but many, many companies aren't doing that yet. Christine, I'm going to turn to you now and, and, and look for a couple of uh, sales pieces almost on this, to be sold on this for a second. Uh, let's, let's talk, first of all, about the emotional side, which is a, a bit of the reputational value that comes with a commitment. Tell me, tell me what you think that means for a place like Van City. Yeah, I mean, I guess my perspective is that that reputational value for us links fully to uh, the business value of, of those commitments, actually, right? So, um, okay. you know, up until now, largely you could you could emit carbon fairly freely, and it's it's only uh, not that long ago that, and even currently, that we're starting to think about how you value that. So, you know, for us, our members are asking for it. Um, our stakeholders um, are asking about it. Regulators, government policymakers. Are increasingly making it a priority. Um, so businesses either need to, or certainly they will need to soon, um, respond to that. And um, you know, certainly that reputational perspective of if you are going to put commitments out there, then you do um, really need to follow that up with action. And you know, I do I do worry sometimes um, because there's a lot more sort of coming out whether. Um, we'll see the actions underneath that, and, and that is a risk um, that we need to to be mindful of. It does take a lot of resources, though, right? Like we do have uh, team members focused on this. And so it, you do sure. need to be deliberate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not something that, well, certainly you don't, but uh, not even any business, I think, can afford to do off the side of a desk, right? It's It requires it requires expertise uh, along with, uh, with a lot of resources. So is it is it good business? Well, I, I think it is. Um, I mean, from, from our perspective, and of course, again, um, as a, a credit union, a cooperative, our view is that you can't be a successful business if the community, the environment around you is also not thriving. But if you mm -hmm. think about the climate-related financial risks, um, it's not actually an abstract concept that can just be addressed, you know, in 10 or 20 years. Like, it's here. It's actually quite tangible. Um, and I think it does need to be managed now. So on the one hand, there's always that perspective of risk mitigation. I also think there's a huge opportunity. How do you rethink some of these sectors that are going to have to transition? You know, we certainly don't want to see people left behind. 
but it does mean it does mean reskilling. It does mean thinking about innovation. It does mean you know how do you retrofit homes? How do you decarbonize um, the materials? How do you think about deconstruction? Like that's just from one sector of real estate. So there's a ton of opportunity for us to be thinking about what that means for you know whether it's our local economy and the Canadian economy broadly. Yeah. Uh, well, presumably, it also uh, offers Van City uh, investment uh, investment opportunities, you know, and and encouragement opportunities in certain sectors in in big big ways, right? It does, and I think there'll be a lot of you know in the small business, um, which of course is what we support a lot of. Those transitions will be um, even less obvious, but just as important. Between 2018 and 2020, CEOs grew steadily pessimistic about the future economy. This year, confidence is back. But optimism doesn't equal strategy. How can CEOs set priorities that will sustain growth beyond the bounce? Discover more in our 24th Annual Canadian CEO Survey. Exactly. Mike, the relationship that we've seen now of ESG, you know, the, the, to, to climate change, um, has has become a, a bit of a priority, and the survey was indicating for some for CEOs. But, but again, stress stress where that has to go and how important it is in terms of the overall success of of climate change initiatives. Well, I, I think the key is um, today for a lot of people, ESG is synonymous with climate change um, yeah. because it is. You you can't. Um, you can't wake up without seeing it in the news, um, and and they've and it's just the way the terminology has been, for lack of any uh, a, a better word. Really, it's it's they, they're one and the same. But there are lots of much more broad issues under the the S and the G, uh, even broader issues <laughs> under the E. If you think about, it's not just climate change; it's water and waste. Uh, when you get into health and safety issues and that are that are social, you've got governance issues around diversity on boards. And um, the good news is I, I think um, society and business today are very focused on all these issues. Um, certainly diversity and inclusion is something also um, very, very focused on by, by companies. They might just not think about it more holistically as part of the ESG focus and how it integrates into the business. So I actually think it's a real positive. Uh, although there's lots of gaps and things for organizations to undertake, uh, the climate change agenda being so significant and in, in front of everybody uh, as as the E is brought the kind of S and the G along. So I'm, I'm very yeah. hopeful that these other issues will now be encompassing uh, a bigger part of the agenda uh, within ESG. But there's still a lot to do because right now it is really focused on on the environmental and the climate change side. Yeah, but in as much as we've been talking today about uh, about some of the challenges that businesses have and juggling. Um, something that feels like more of a long-range involvement, even though Christine's quite right, it's it's all here right now in order to deal with. Um, would you expect that that the pandemic has actually um, strengthened in uh, the involvement in ESG for a lot of companies now, and and has 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 taught them uh, in this period about the value of it? Oh yeah, for sure. I think the the, the pandemic's taught us that how interconnected uh, the world is and how, you know, an mm -hmm. issue um, can impact everybody like climate change and that the, you know, 
I know it's an overused word, but the world can pivot pretty quickly and many businesses and society can, um, you know, criticize what you want in terms of governments and others and kind of responsing the response. It's quite a miracle that here we are now talking about reopening provinces and the rest of the country. Companies have been able to uh, to do quite well or at least service their, their customers effectively, work remotely. Um, and I believe it's it's given given organizations the feeling they can do this too when it comes to climate change or the broader the broader ESG agenda. And I really do believe it's it's what's propelled it. I, I recall early in March of 2020. I mean, I've been in the sustainability and climate field for a long, long time. And you know, we we actually thought that it would take a back seat because the pandemic was going to just be yeah. all encompassing. Uh, and it's actually been um, I, I've never seen things busier. Uh, our own firm uh, during this time undertook a, a net zero um, ambition, and we have a net zero target of 2030, which we didn't have before this. So um, it's it's propelled organizations all over, including ours, to uh, to do something. Christine, were you, were you at all surprised at how the pandemic has illuminated these issues, ESG in particular, for companies? Um. Well, I think the I think the pace um, certainly was a bit surprising. I think though, when you actually step back um, and think through how you know the, the last fifteen months have unfolded, um, to Mike's point, it's the ES and G are one hundred percent intertwined, and so um, the diversity, inclusion, you know, belonging, uh, Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter, all of that is at the same time, right? And so. You've seen flow of funds going into ESG uh, products, so all of that's increased tremendously. And and I think what we've seen is also that there's been good performance. And you know, there's a there's a lot that's happened in a year, right? You think of administrations changing, um, you know, new reports coming out from pretty substantial organizations like the International Energy uh, Agency and others. And so, you know, I was surprised at the pace initially. But really, then when you reflect back, a lot of it does make sense. So uh, in your own case, uh, as as you've accelerated uh, all of this, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about how, you know, what steps you've been able to take in this time about integrating this and, and making it really, you know, part and parcel of the overall climate change plan. Sure. I mean, even with our own climate commitments, um, one of our commitments is really about ensuring that as we do this, we, we don't leave people behind. And that's part of it. You know, we could have some success with, uh, with climate by having, uh, you know, all of, our, all of the real estate that we want to finance being very, you know, lead plus and uh, passive houses that are completely unaffordable to the vast majority of people. That's not success, right? So we need to be thinking about um, these elements together. You know, one of the things that we have been able to do was actually to disclose for the first time, it's high level, but the emissions that we have in our portfolio, um, we did that in our annual report through um, the work we're doing with PCAF, which is a partnership for carbon accounting financials. And again, it's trying to just show, measure, disclose, right? What um, that footprint is. Again, it's still high level because you got to get better and better data. Um, but it is a lot of work and it, you also can't do that overnight. So we have been working on that for a long time. Um, but that's, you know, at the crux of our commitment, it's um, the effect of climate on people. And so how are we thinking about transition um, across communities? Yeah, you, uh, 
I was going to use a terrible analogy. I was going to say you can't take your foot off the gas, but actually you can't take your foot off the accelerator on the electric vehicle, correct? Is that right? <laughs> Is that how it goes? Um, tell me a little bit in the, uh, as we conclude here, Christine, about the impetus that governments are providing in this period and, and how, how much they matter uh, as, as, uh, you know, as your firm and others have to, have to basically move through this. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, you know, it's probably a matter of, of pace, especially, uh, and certainly, you know, Mike would probably have a perspective. Um, to, to those who are already moving and who understand the importance, right, then, then you can do that without having full structure and regulation. Um, that said, you know, when you compare even these responses, uh, Canadian CEO responses to others, other jurisdictions, you know, we are seeing a shift in the pace, right? Whether it's mandatory disclosure, new policies, regulations. And so businesses do respond to that. Um, I think that we're seeing more of that here. Um, and certainly in the BC context with municipal, provincial, and then, you know, federal levels of different, uh, whether it's net, whether it's called net zero or other paths um, will, will help. Because the one piece that we still don't have a strong lens on is, um, you know, how do you really think about, we'll use ESG as opposed to climate, right, from a, um, a specific reporting perspective. So when you re report financially, it's very, very clear, you know, what a capital asset is, an operating expense and the like. But, you know, testing ethical standards and claims, like we do need better frameworks for that. And that it, it, it means businesses need to participate and be part of that, but government also needs to lead the way on it. Yeah. How how do you create those national standards? That's an interesting mm -hmm. question around, you know, ethical commitment. And yeah, Kirk, a lot of work is starting too, right? Sorry, Mike, go ahead. You know, I was just going to add, um, the, the, in, in Canada, uh, our survey showed that 50% of the CEOs felt that uh, the government was, was in it for the long term. So this isn't just a one-shot impetus, and they realized there's, there's a longer clean tech revolution, and they have to be continue with this kind of approach in BC it was even higher it was over 60 percent and you know I guess the the glass half full um, person in me would say that maybe you know I mentioned that not all the CEOs are on board yet in terms of taking this seriously but uh, it's good that they have faith that the government is is going to stay active in this um, and you know price carbon or wh whatever the policies that need to be in place to help business along uh, and guide them. And, uh, and I think it's important. It, it takes all elements between the public sector, private sector to, uh, to make this work. Yeah. Uh, let me ask uh, both of you then and at the end, it, it feels as if here in British Columbia, we might be in actually one of the most uh, frictionless environments for moving ahead on this when you consider the levels of government that we're dealing with at a municipal, provincial, federal, and you'd even say now, of course, south of the border. Uh, what that's like. So, so in, in a sense, um, you know, uh, how much optimism does this breed in you? And Christine, why don't you talk a little bit about that as a CEO who also has, you know, all kinds of networks across, uh, across the province and the country? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite optimistic. You're right. You know, we do have a different environment here. Um, and, to, to your point, if people believe there is a long-term path, it is much easier to plan. It is easier to start thinking about true risk scenarios, true opportunities for investment, as we've been talking about. So 
I am quite optimistic. You know, we do have a lot of talent in BC, whether you call it clean tech, uh, you know, all the way through to knowledge in ESG and, and really having an opportunity to, to lean in. I think the other piece is that as part of that, the population here, our stakeholders, um, our members, whether it's customers of other businesses, they're also, um, I think a little bit more progressive and they are demanding it. And so I think overall it creates an opportunity for us uh, to really be innovative and to lead. Mike, I'll give you a last say on this. Sure. Uh, well, I, I agree 100% with Christine. I'm also very optimistic. Um, I think partly also, you know, we, we can never um, take for granted um, what we have in this province in terms of great natural resource base. And I, I keep telling people we shouldn't all just pat ourselves on the back because we live in a beautiful place that, that seems really clean. But, but what I'm really proud of is you look at the renewable energy uh, resource that we have, great forestry practices, good mining practices. We've evolved quite a bit already. Um, we can't rest on those laurels, but at the same time, we're well positioned. Uh, I was speaking to a group of mining executives this morning about the significant challenge of achieving net zero when you're a mining company, probably one of the toughest yeah. industries to do that. But you know, when you're a BC mining company with what we have here, natural resources, wise, um, you've got a fighting chance. And I think we should uh, not just rest on that, but but take that and run with it. And, uh, and I think we have a great opportunity. Well, great. It's been a great conversation. I want to thank both of you for your time and insight today. It's been really helpful. Mike Harris of PwC and Christine Bergeron of Van City. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. And a reminder of our other two parts in this series on cybersecurity and on CEO optimism and opportunity. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. You've been watching our special series involving the PwC survey.